0: Welcome to How to Date, a show about how to master the messy, complex, and downright bizarre world of dating when you really didn't think you'd be back here again. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imbo. I'm a psychologist, I'm one year out of my marriage, I'm a mum, and I'm immersed in the world of online dating. Hi, I'm also your host, Monique
1: Robin. I'm a mum of four kids. And a yoga teacher trying to find
0: men who like me rather than my limber joints.
1: So, Amantha, who have we got on
0: today? So, today we've got Georgia Graced, who is a sex coach that I actually got introduced to by another organisational psychologist that I work with at Inventium. And Georgia was actually recently on The Bachelor, the Australian Bachelor, helping. Cool. Yeah, I know, helping Bachelor Lockie get more intimate with his ladies.
1: Oh, wow. I'm not really a Bachelor follower, but did she help him?
0: <laughs> I don't know because I only follow Bachelor US. I'm a bit of a snob like that. I don't do Bachelor Australia. Oh, you're too local. It's not bitchy and catty and dramatic yeah. enough for me. got you. So I, I had a really great chat with Georgia. I think you were in a yin workshop all weekend it was like a six day thing. We had a couple of big weekends of yin. So I yeah, flew solo. So
1: me being the yoga teacher and you being the multinational company owner, I'm very busy.
0: <laughs> anyway, I had a good chat with Georgia. I'm very excited to share that it's really it was really interesting talking to a sex coach and her advice around dating and crushing a lot of the myths that are out there around sex and dating. So I'm very excited to share that. So, Manik, how was your week in dating?
1: Well, to be honest, it was pretty non-eventful. Last week, we returned to studio yoga teaching now that lockdown's easing, and I found that I lost my voice, as you may be able to tell.
0: <laughs> yes, you are sounding like someone that works for one 800 Sexy talk.
1: (laughs) Yes, I um, think I'm going to get a new class, the evening sexy (laughs) yin. Yeah, good marketing tool. It's actually serving me as a yoga teacher because one of my issues when I teach is that I can't shut up. So all the studio owners are rapt that I've lost my voice. But in losing my voice, I wasn't really confident to do any dating because I just didn't feel like it was worth it because I'm trying to rest my voice as much as possible. How was your week?
0: My week was more active than your week. So I had a night last week where I did three dates in one night. What? I've never done that before. And I think I just was like, let's just try to be efficient about things. Let's see how that works for me.
1: Amantha. how many times in your life do you think you've said to yourself, let's try and be efficient? (laughs)
0: most days yeah (laughs) so anyway so that's what I did so my first date of the night was an in-person one and that was actually the guy that we'd spoken about previously that I was very on the fence about there were no deal breakers and you and also one of our guests on the show had encouraged me to just be open to it and not expect that there's going to be a spark straight away so I must say I had zero motivation going into it. And I remember I texted you a few minutes before because I was just like, what am I even doing here? And I'm like, Monique, I need a motivational pep talk in the five minutes I've got before he arrives.
1: Yeah, I remember that actually. I I think you need to be commended because that is so not like you. You're very much the most affable social person, but if you're not really vibing someone, you are very, very hard to convince. So good on you for getting past that and giving it
0: another go. Yeah, thanks. It felt like felt like an effort, yeah. uh, but I'm always open to trying out people's advice when I trust the people that are giving me the advice. So I did that. And then when he turned up, uh, and probably just a few minutes in, I'm like, this is so not working. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, how long... Do I need to give this before it's not completely rude to extract myself from this? I probably should have channeled Alita Bryden from the Bad Dates interview that we did to go, what were the excuses? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But anyway, I gave it 40 minutes, which felt like a respectable amount of time. It was just... The conversation was hard work and it was just a mismatch.
1: Okay. So are you telling this story for the purpose of the podcast or to inadvertently tell me you're not taking my advice ever again?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to think twice. I think I just, there needs to be at least a bit of excitement there. So I'm not expecting love at first sight or instant sparks, particularly when now my first dates are Zoom dates. I think I've just become accustomed to that, but if it's more that the decision making criteria is there are no deal breakers, that's yeah. not high enough.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think like you really do have to just take that moment to reflect, am I really not interested in this person or am I just being a little bit presumptuous? And I think if you're really not interested, you know.
0: Yeah. And I think I knew. So then I went home and I had two Zoom dates. I'll stop that matter. <laughs> So the first team date was like it was quite good. Like the hour flew by, and it was good conversation. And at the end of it, I was reflecting, and I'm like, "Yeah, I would see this person in real life. I would dedicate some time there." The second one, not so much. Granted, I was tired because it was a bit of a long night. But I think my overall learning from the night is: don't do three dates in one night. It was too much, and because. I'm naturally quite introverted, like it takes so much energy with even one stranger to bring it and have a good conversation and try to provide the good experience. It just took so much out of me that night, even though one of the people, I genuinely enjoyed the conversation and he texted the next day to ask me out. So I will see him again in person, but it was too much. Never again will I do three days.
1: Do you reckon that you actually use, say, Zoom date number one as a point of reference for Zoom date number two?
0: It is interesting. It's all I like I liken it to recruitment at work, where often when we're recruiting and we're up to the interview stage, we'll schedule applicants for the same day or within the same couple of days, because then it just becomes easier to compare. But I don't know. I think with dating, now that I feel like I've clocked up quite a few hours of Zoom dates during lockdown, it's like, I know. I know whether I want to see them again or not. Like, there's varying degrees of how much I want to see them again, but... I think I know. I don't need to do this back-to-back benchmarking people against each other.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean, but I actually find, and I don't know about you in all the Zoom interviews you did through work, some people are just better at Zoom than others. And I feel like, say, Zoom date number one, he was really amazing, really confident in the Zoom setting. And then straight away you went into Zoom date number two, who perhaps didn't have to do any Zoom meetings for work during lockdown. Maybe poor Zoom date number two didn't have a hope in hell just because Zoom date number one was so charismatic and confident.
0: Uh, fair hypothesis, but Zoom date number two was a partner at an accounting firm and he'd had plenty of experience on oh, Zoom. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah, but good, good hypothesis. So anyway, that was my week in dating. I now am feeling a bit... Dating fatigued, I must say. So I'm doing this date in a couple of days' time with the one from the three date night. But I've actually literally this morning just paused my dating profiles because I think I just need to take a little bit of a break for a couple of weeks. I'll see how this date in a couple of days' time goes. But yeah, I think. I just need a bit of a break.
1: I wonder if going into this date in a couple of days' time will be a bit more exciting for you because you know that it's not just going to be one of many insignificant dates you're about to go on.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's really interesting. It is a different mindset when you're like, okay, I'm just going to be off the apps. I really don't want to meet anyone new in the digital world right now. And it's almost like that mindset of – abundance oh my god there's so many people out there so the stakes are just really low for dates and i think because of that people act differently when the stakes are low and they don't put as much care and attention into it but it's like i'm meeting with another human being this is not this is not me just shopping for a pair of shoes or something like that like this is a human so i kind of i like that theory i think that's good so that was my week in dating It is time to introduce today's guest, who is Georgia Grace. As a certified Australian sex coach, Georgia applies a client-centered approach in supporting individuals, couples, and groups to mindfully, powerfully, and radically become more aware of their bodies, sex, and sexuality. Georgia works with clients at her practice in Sydney and globally via telehealth, and she also runs regular large-scale workshops, appears on panels, and presents on a range of topics all around Australia. Georgia is also a trained journalist and writes a regular column for GQ on sex and has also published a book on masturbation called Pleasure Journal. So on that note, let's head on over to hear from Georgia. Georgia, welcome to How to Date. Hey, Manta, I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to be chatting to a sex coach because I feel like it's not every day that one talks to a sex coach. This
2: is true. And I do hear that a lot. I hear people will always say, wow, I've never met one of you before. So yes, it it is very
0: common for this to be a new experience. Excellent. Why don't we start by talking about sex and dating. And I feel like a question that comes up a lot for women, particularly women that haven't dated for many years because they've been married or in a long-term relationship and they've come out of it. What are the expectations now in terms of dating when you're in your 40s or 50s or late 30s? What are the expectations around sex from, I guess, from, from a man's point of view, but also like from a woman's point of view as well? This is a great question
2: and I find that I'm I often will support people in figuring this out. I think the most important thing is that everyone will have different expectations. Everyone will be dating for different reasons. You will have certain things that you want to engage with, so some people you may want to date purely for the joy of going out for dinner with someone new, being able to flirt, being able to feel sensual and sexy, but you're not necessarily interested in having sex. And for another person, you may be dating purely because you want to have sex with someone different, someone new, and that's sort of why you've started dating again. So when we look at the collective cultural or social expectations I can't really speak to anyone and ultimately it's something that you need to first figure out yourself so what are you interested in why are you dating what excites you And also, what are your boundaries? What do you not want to do? What isn't exciting for you? So if you can get really clear on your expectations, it'll make it a lot easier to communicate that with others. And you should also get curious about their expectations so that you figure out or so that you know that you're on the same page. So in terms of
0: figuring out your own boundaries, what are the sorts of questions that we should be Asking ourselves to get clear on that.
2: This is such a big question and I could spend hours in session with someone individually sort of figuring out their boundaries. So if you're looking at trying to get a sense more of your enthusiastic boundaries, your enthusiastic consent, I think first it would be asking that question, why am I doing this? What do I hope to experience from this? And if that is simply being able to engage with someone and being able to enjoy the humanness of dating, awesome. I think that when you're figuring out your boundaries, there's often a learning. So there is capacity to learn and to inquire. And say, for example, you go out on a date and you think, no, I I don't want to have sex tonight. It's just not something that I want to do. And then you meet this person, you have really amazing chemistry, it's really sensual, and you want to engage in some kind of sexual experience. Allowing yourself to listen to your body and think, oh, that's really interesting that I wasn't intending to have sex, but I'm so into this person and I really want to have sex with them and it feels really right. And they want to have sex with me. So being able to listen to your body and the same goes for figuring out those boundaries when maybe you did go in with a certain idea and given the context or the person or anything else that's going on really, that you can change your mind at any time. And just because you thought something was going to happen, it doesn't mean that it, it has to happen. So I think if we're looking at different ways that you could really figure out your boundaries. I think it's a lot of practice. So practicing on a regular basis around saying yes to things that you really want to do, saying no to things that you don't want to do and asking for more information around things that you're not even sure what what they could be, allowing for yourself to say yes to something and then realise when, oh, it's no longer a yes, I'm no longer enthusiastically wanting to be here and practising voicing all of that because I find that often a really common concern with people is that they struggle with the voicing aspect of that. So if that is you, you could, of course, practice voicing for what you want to need, and you could also get support from a, a professional, a practitioner who has all those skills equipped to help you really get a sense of boundaries and consent.
0: I think something I hear a lot of women, I guess, be hesitant about when they decide to have sex with someone is how they will be perceived and potentially sticking with rules like, okay, not until the third or fourth date, because if I do things too early, then I'll be perceived in a negative way. Do you feel, and I guess from the work that you've done with your clients, like, is there any truth to that? And do those perceptions in terms of like moving too quickly, too early, do they change as we get older?
2: there's so much to unpack in this and so if we're looking at the idea oh you don't have sex till the fifth date or whatever that rule is sure if that's what you think works best for you i can see some kind of logic in that or what i hear people speak about is that the the longer they leave between being naked with someone is it builds anticipation it builds arousal it's the unknown it's like this extended experience of foreplay so they really enjoy those moments of flirting and of it not going anywhere sexually, but allowing for that sexual tension to build. I think it's also really important to challenge the sex shame stigma that comes with not having sex on the first date purely because you're concerned with how you'll be perceived. So this, I mean, this is ingrained on a deep systemic cultural social level that tells women in particular, that if you have sex on the first date, you'll be perceived in a bad light and they won't want to have sex with you again because they've got what they want, they've conquered you and they're moving on. And that is, I just think, such a reductive, exclusive idea that leaves women out of the conversation because believe it or not, women are sexual, they're sensual, they enjoy sex, they might want to have sex with someone once and not want to see them again. So I think if we're looking at gender and these norms around dating and sex and timelines and all these rules, instead of just adhering to the rules that you were maybe taught in high school, maybe figuring out what rules work for you and and how they can support you and whether time does benefit you and your arousal and your attraction to someone or whether it's holding you back from having sex in the way that you want to.
0: I think so that's such great advice. When I was talking to Monique when we were thinking about what we wanted to ask during this interview something that she was curious about is she's noticed that people's standards around safe sex and STIs feels like it's really changed compared to when we were dating like before our marriages a couple of decades ago like it felt like in the 80s not that we were dating in the 80s we were quite young then Monique and I like AIDS was so prevalent then and safety was at the forefront of everyone's minds and Monique was feeling like with the people that she spoke to in her own experiences that people's standards have changed and maybe people are not being as safe like what are your thoughts on this and how do we encourage people to be be a little bit more safe around these things? This is a really
2: important topic. And yeah, for sure. I think if we're looking at hormonal contraception and what that has done in giving women the safety of not getting pregnant when they're having sex with a partner or something that's more casual, it's been really empowering for women. And I think that, not just women, but as a whole, practicing safe sex isn't done well. And that could be for a few reasons. I'm actually working on developing some really amazing condoms that feel like they're not even there, that they use a really nice lube, that it's great for your internal health and all of that. But look at condoms, they're pretty tacky, they're not very sensual, they come in this like black, blue, glowy kind of metallic casing and it's just, it's not a very sensual experience and that's what I hear people say is that they feel that it kills the mood because they have to reach to the drawer and unwrap this pretty tacky thing. But I guess that is also needs to have a normalization around it too, that Practicing safe sex keeps you safe and safe sex is sexy. So anytime someone says, it's just a bit awkward, it's just a bit clunky, I don't know how to bring up having safe sex with this person. And then I say, if you can't bring up safe sex and speak about sex, how can you possibly get naked and penetrate each other? (laughs) These these are the things that I think we need to really allow for the importance of this conversation because it's seen as being way too awkward or way too much to ask or to expect to have safe sex with someone. But people are more eager to just not have the language around it. And this comes with consent too. So if we can reframe that practicing safe sex is sexy because it allows you to feel safe. It allows the other person to feel safe. It means that you can really relax and enjoy the morning or the day after you won't have those fears around maybe not practicing it and all of those questions that that come with not practicing safe sex. So, if we can start to reshape and reform these conversations around safety when it comes to sex and make it just a normal part of sex, ultimately, I think that will make sex better for everyone.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
0: And kind of like taking a step out of the bedroom, I guess, and onto just like the first date experience. And I think for people that it's been many years since they've been on a first date, what can people be doing to feel more confident about themselves and feel more confident in in their body.
2: Yeah. It can feel really tricky because it's kinda like a you're learning a new skill all over again and it can feel really foreign and it all almost feels like a different language. You know, flirting with someone can be like that Spanish class that you took in year eleven and now you don't remember how to speak the language. So I think firstly give yourself a pep talk. And if you can't give yourself a pep talk, ask for a loved one to really pep you up. That if you feel like you've lost your dating mojo, even just acknowledging that you once had it can be really useful. Thinking back to that time that you did feel confident and you did feel sexy. Those skills are within you. That part of you is there. It's just reigniting it or maybe learning about a different aspect of it. So, Feeling confident going into a date, of course, it is really vulnerable and it can feel awkward, but that's also the part of first dating that is really exciting because there is so much unknown, there is so much uncertainty, you're a bit nervous, maybe a bit excited. That's what gives you that rush, that surge of adrenaline, all those feel-good neurochemicals. So maybe flip it a bit and think about, okay, I don't feel confident, I feel really anxious and nervous, but how can I use this sort of pre-dating anxiety or stress to fuel me and and to enjoy it. I think if you're also looking at the more practical side of things, there are lots of things out there that can support you so there is literally a dating app for every kind of relationship style and choice so finding one that works for you if you're not into dating apps call on the people around you do they know of anyone who they think would be like-minded with you or they think you'd get on call on those people. And also I think expand your horizons. It's very easy to say, oh, this is my type. And this isn't to be confused with settling. By no means am I saying settle uh, something just because you want to start dating, but expanding your horizons beyond that typical type can allow you to meet new people or to engage in new activities or allow for you to learn something new about perhaps what you're initially attracted to. So yes, it is certainly a process. I think dating requires fitness, commit to it. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Actually, I had a client the other day and she was very anxious getting back into dating. And I said, how about you just in one week set up three dates and then go on those three dates. They don't need to go anywhere. They don't need to be anything, but it's just a way for you to practice and a way for you to have a bit of fun, rebuild that confidence and on date two she found someone who she really connected with and she still went on date three to keep the momentum but it was really useful because she saw that she needed to practice she needed to build up that dating fitness and she felt much more confident the the more times she dated so that's a little bit of a success story for you
0: I like the idea of it, thinking of it as a skill or a muscle that you need to build if you haven't worked on that muscle for a while. I I know that I'm always really impressed with Monique's dating. Like, I remember last week, I think she went on, and and it's funny because Monique doesn't get nervous before most dates, but I think she went on three dates in three nights. And I'm like, Go Monique. That's awesome. Go Monique. <laughs> it's got energy. Should I mean like should we be like what can we do after the day? Should we almost be debriefing with ourselves or with a friend to to kind of go, Okay, what did I feel good about? What did I not feel good about? What do you encourage your clients to do to after their workouts to go, okay, how do I become better at this? Mm -hmm.
2: That's a really wonderful approach and there are a few ways that you could do that. I mean a bit of integration or self-reflection after a date could be that if you don't want to speak to anyone about it, get out your journal, write down exactly how it was for you, what worked, what didn't, any questions you have, how you're feeling and then calling on some friends. I think people – Provide some great support when they can see it from a, a different perspective, and you can share your learnings, how the experience was for you. Friends are always really interested to hear how dates go, and that can be a really important part of the integration process. And don't leave out the person who you went on a date with, it, you may want to reach out to them after and say, I had a really great time, would love to see you again sometime. And speak about it with them. I I don't think we need to be so guarded with how we feel and how much we enjoy dates, because it can be really telling if the other person enjoyed it too.
0: I always think that's an interesting one, like in terms of the traditional gender roles, like for those that are heterosexual or looking for a heterosexual relationship. And what that experience is like for a man when the woman does take charge and initiate the next date. What do you see with your clients? Do men still like to be in that masculine leading role? Does that make them feel sexy? Should women be holding back? What advice do you have around that? I mean,
2: everyone is different. However, what I notice in working with men, these ideas of masculinity really hurt men. <laughs> so the fact that they can't be vulnerable, that they have to take the lead, that That they can't cry, they can't feel, they must be macho and ready to go at all times. It's not serving anyone. So, the more we can change these gender roles, they're not, they're reductive, they're useless, they're not fun. So, if you feel like saying to someone, I really enjoyed a date, regardless of your gender, let them know. And that could be the kind of response and the kind of person they've been waiting to engage with. So I think the more we can subvert these gender roles, the better. It's absolutely not in my experience in working with men, it's not working for men. Masculinity as, I guess, a suppressing idea that doesn't allow for them to be vulnerable or allow for them to be gentle or to receive that initiation. What I hear about men and from men in a very intimate, safe context is so far from what we perceive masculinity to be. So the more we can change it, the better it is for the world, the better it is for dating as a whole.
0: I'm very encouraged by that. And I must say something I've noticed maybe on the last four or five dates that I've been on is that I found generally the men at the end of the date I'm like, well, you let me know, like, if you'd like to see me again, I had a great time and kind of leaving the ball in my court and giving me permission to make the next move, which I found kind of interesting. I don't know if other people are experiencing that, but I've certainly noticed that myself recently.
2: And how did you feel with that? Did you feel, was it a new territory for you to be like, oh, I, now I engage the next part of this dating?
0: Well, I liked it and it was also good because I, I think there was only one of them that I did actually want to see again. Yeah, so <laughs> avoided that awkward moment of being asked out and not really wanted to say yes. So <laughs> that worked well. And now you mentioned that there are so many different dating apps and dating websites out there. How should listeners be working out? Which is the right one for them?
2: So I think it's always important to do a bit of research. So if you literally go into Google and type in dating app, or uh, reviews or breakdowns and so on, it will literally have a breakdown of why people use certain apps. So that could be for your sexuality, for your gender, it could be for the type of relationship or the type of sex that you want to have. So do a bit of research, go to Google, ask your friends what is working for them and, yeah, and maybe you download a few and you have a few going at once and you figure out which people you're engaging with sort of suit you the best, but a bit of research can go a long way in finding the right app for you.
0: And for those that are looking for a serious relationship i, th- I think it's an obvious way to go if you're not looking for a serious relationship hello tinder but like where should listeners that are actually quite serious about this process and you want to find someone who's you know after more than just something casual or frivolous like what in your experience have been the best apps or websites for doing that
2: yeah i mean that it's that's a tricky one because i think if we look at the rate in which people swipe on dating apps to the rate at which it equates to a long-term relationship. Ultimately, it comes down to maybe how you put yourself out there or what you communicate. So if you're, say, on Bumble and you're very open with the fact that you're looking for a relationship, that will be more of a surefire way than going to a specific platform or a specific place because, of course, people will be there for a whole range of reasons. But what I'd also say is that don't, and and this is, uh state dependent because I'm in Sydney so we've been able to move freely throughout the state for a while. But don't underestimate the power of the inhuman, the in real life meat. So whether that is at joining a community group or getting a, a group of people together, trying new things, engaging in new activities, going new places. That can be, you know, even meeting someone at a cafe or friends from work or so on there's so many different ways that you can approach this that don't just rely on apps, because I am noticing in the, and I'm sure some people will relate to this, that there's this kind of app fatigue where you just swipe and your brain gets a little bit dead. And we have that real human urge to connect, to be present, to meet someone in all of their humanness. So Yes, be clear with what you want on the apps, but also allow for those spontaneous in real life meets.
0: Awesome. I think that's such a good reminder. Now, my final question, Georgia, is if people want to know more about you and what you are up to, what is the best way to do that? And combined with that, particularly for listeners that are single, how and when would someone engage someone like you? So that
2: that's a great question. So if you want to go find me, I'm on Instagram as gspot.underscore and my website is Georgia Graced, grace How and why people would engage with me is that it's such a vast array of reasons being that maybe you have a specific concern or an area, whether that is a sexual concern or a relational concern. So then you may come see me to work through that together. I use a range of, I guess, modalities, be it embodied counselling, coaching and education. You may also just be really curious and you want to make sex even better. You want to make your relationships even better. And I also work with that. So that's in session. And then I run a range of workshops and courses, both online and in person. So It's pretty varied in the reason why people would come to see me, working with everything from a concern to a curiosity. So if it interests you, just reach out and and we'll see if I'm the right person for you.
0: Fantastic. I will link to your website and your Insta account, which is awesome, by the way. There's so much interesting stuff there. I was reading through it in researching for this interview, so I'll link to all that in the show notes. Georgia, it has been fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Amantha.
1: So, Amantha, tell me what was the best take-home you got out of the Georgia interview?
0: So I got a few take-homes that got me thinking. I really liked what she had to say about STIs and safe sex. I thought that was very helpful. But I also found it really interesting just talking about the rules of sex and dating. I feel like there are certain unsaid rules and expectations and If you do this, then you're considered that. And
1: I think that we often have such inherent views on what those rules are. It's actually interesting to bring them out into the open and see if we are all aligned with our belief systems in terms of what is expected of us.
0: I liked that she encouraged people to think about like really clearly what their own personal boundaries are before the actual date or series of dates, depending on how well it's going, but also balancing that with being in the moment and seeing like what's going on in your body, how are you feeling, what do you want to do? So kind of that mix of actually reflecting, okay, what matters to me? What are my values around this? Having clarity around that, but then also having the freedom to go, no, no, I'm feeling this in my body I feel like I do want to do this and I'm going to be all right with moving things forward more than I would have normally.
1: I think if you go into a date with a certain set of boundaries, it's really good to feel that sense of safety those boundaries give you. But at the same time, honoring where you're at and giving yourself the freedom to really feel into that intuition in the moment.
0: Yeah. Do you have rules yourself around sex and dating? So let's just talk about the
1: question first. Do I have rules? I do. I always say to myself, even if I want to be intimate with somebody because there's a real attraction, I'm going to hold off because I want to sit with those feelings first. And I don't want them to be determined by just this impulsive sense of desire or worse still by alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, things happen the tenor, the cadence of a date can change. And I don't hold myself accountable as long as I'm being truthful with myself. And I trust that I know myself well enough. I think that's it. I think you've got to just trust yourself.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good attitude. Although there is something to be said for giving things a bit of time to develop and that build up can be really fantastic like what georgia talked about as opposed to just giving into those instincts straight away so that like that resonated with me i must say
1: yeah absolutely but at the same time i guess also if you do give in it doesn't, it do, like I wouldn't because, you know, I'm like super hard to get. But if those um less restrained people than me did give in, they shouldn't feel bad about themselves. No,
0: absolutely not. No. no. Based on what Georgia said, I am going to do a bit more self-reflection around, okay, well, like what am I feeling around my boundaries now and how quick is too quick or how slow is too slow. So it's inspired me to do some more self-reflection and check back in with myself after having dated a little bit. That is it for today's show. If you have enjoyed How to Date, why not share it with other people that you think could benefit from some of the advice that we are offering. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to get your feedback. Please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened to this show from. And we will see you next time. See you soon.